it's also good to look at God's Word with you. Um, No matter where you find yourself tonight, no matter what you believe, no matter what you've done, no matter how this year has gone, no matter how these four years have gone for you, if you're a senior, we want you to feel welcome. If I haven't met you, uh, I think there are people here tonight that I haven't met, so if it's your first time, we're really glad that you're here. I'm Matt, the campus minister. Caroline is our intern. We would love to connect with you, especially if you're going to be here in the fall. We'd love to, to meet with you for coffee or a meal, Lord willing. Um, but RUF, we're one of the many campus ministers, campus ministries, uh, but I am one of the many campus ministers at Wofford trying to walk, walk alongside you during these formative years of college to help you follow Jesus at Wofford College. And we're trying to figure out what it looks like to love God, love others, and love Wofford. But more fundamentally, We're a group of people bound by the reality that God loves us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So before we do anything else, before we pray, before we sing, before we look at God's word, before we meet with small groups, before we eat together, we want you to experience RUF as a ministry that shows you and tells you that Jesus loves you. And this semester, we're, we're finishing a series in the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent. We've called this series songs for the road, songs for the road. And I've, I've obviously been thinking about you guys as I was studying for this and preparing for it. And not because it's just the end of the year for us and you guys are on my mind, of course, but because this long pilgrimage that we are completing together this year um, is not unlike this long journey and long pilgrimage that God's people in the Old Testament completed at the end of Psalm 134. It's likely that Psalm 134 was like a finish line song. It was how God's people finished well. And so for Israel, God's people, God's covenant promised people in the Old Testament, and for you and for me, Psalm 134 is a a finish song. It's, It's a song you sing as you cross the finish line. I remember feeling intense gratitude, um, and intense relief when I completed my final Hebrew exam in seminary. So Hebrew and Greek, I had to take three classes in each in seminary, and they were like seminary boot camp. It's like drinking vocab words from a fire hose and eating every meal with your verb paradigms, and it's just like you just live and breathe Hebrew and Greek for those six classes. And I remember finishing my last exam in Hebrew, You do Greek first, then Hebrew. In Hebrew 3, I turn it in. And I remember, here's what I did. I went to our our favorite pizza place in St. Louis, and I bought an entire pizza, not for anyone else, but for me, alone. And I went home like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone, and I ate an entire pizza. No, just kidding. Uh, I ate like four or five pizzas by myself, five slices. And I just stared at the wall. And when I wasn't staring at the wall, taking sighs of relief, I was just watching Sports Center. I was done. I could breathe. No more Hebrew. No more vocab words. I'm done. When uh, the Boston Celtics won the NBA championship in 2008, Kevin Garnett, which who was one of the kind of big three stars of the team, was in this post-game interview at the end. And he said these famous last words or these words in the interview. And he screamed these words at the top of his lungs. He said, anything is possible. And he screamed those words. And it became like a meme, and it was Twitter blow up because of these words. So he, he sort of completed this pilgrimage of the NBA season 
and Kevin Garnett screams, I eat pizza alone, which is way more sad than Kevin Garnett. When the Chicago Bulls won the championship in 1996, Michael Jordan did not react by screaming um, anything is possible. He actually got the game ball and went immediately into the locker room and curled up in the fetal position in the locker room and was weeping like a child. This was Jordan after the 96 championship team because earlier that year, his father was tragically murdered and crossing the finish line of this season brought up so much grief and so much pent up and shelved emotions that he wasn't trying to feel and he was trying to ignore and it exploded on him when he won. And this was, this was his fifth or fourth championship. This is six NBA people. This is six. Um, so when we cross the finish line, when we finish, everyone's all over the map. It's pizza, it's screaming, it's tears. We're all over the map. We're done. How are you doing? How are you feeling? The question we're going to explore tonight is this question. How do God's people finish well? What does it look like for God's people to finish well? That's Psalm 134 for us. That's the question that Psalm 134 is going to help us explore tonight. I'm going to read the text and then pray, and then we're going to walk through it. Friends, God, God of the Bible, God of Christianity is not silent. He has revealed himself. He's revealed himself in the scriptures, and he's spoken to you and to me not to give us a theology exam to ace or a book of rules to follow. He's spoken to you and to me because he loves us. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Let me pray. Lord, we uh, are grateful that your word is living and active, and we know that's true because you are living and active. You are not aloof or asleep. You are alive and you are present. But our minds are busy and our hearts are restless. I know I am. And so I do ask that by your spirit you would slow us down and that we would see beautiful things in your word, that we would hear it and do it and see Jesus to be beautiful. And just I acknowledge that everyone in here walking into this room is, a lot of us are in the same place emotionally and spiritually. A lot of us have no idea how we're doing. You know us from the inside out and just meet us where we are. In Christ's name, amen. So what does it look like for God's people to finish well? What does it look like for God's people to finish well? It involves two things. Finishing well for God's people involves two things. First, it involves singing his praises. Singing his praise, and then second, receiving his blessing. Singing his praise, receiving his blessing. That's finishing well for us. Let's do the first one, singing his praise. So remember... If you've been around RUF for four years, three years, we've done the Psalms before, we've done it this semester. There's all kinds of different Psalms and genres of Psalms, and there's 150 of them, all kinds of different ones. 134 is a Psalm or a hymn of praise. It's a song of praise. These folks are singing God's praise, and specifically, they're praising God for his power. They're celebrating his power. If you'll look at verses one and two, the psalmist is trying to get everybody in on God's power. And that's why in verse 3, you see that God is described as the maker of heaven and earth. The maker of heaven and earth. In other words, 
This God who I'm singing to and I'm celebrating is powerful. He is powerful. Finishing well means you celebrate God's power. He's the maker of heaven and earth and the God who created heaven and earth by the word of his power created all kinds of holiness in you this year. The same God who provided manna for Israel when they were in the wilderness and completely at the end of himself have provided for you when you have been at the end of yourself this year. God has shown up in unexpected ways, and he has given you all kinds of surprising gifts, gifts that only he can give. He's given you new friendships that have surprised you. He's answered your prayers in unexpected ways. God is powerful. He's shown up in ways that only he can show up. God is powerful, and this is why we sing to him. God's people cross the finish line by celebrating his power. They can't help but sing. So we see this in the book of Exodus. I want you to bear with me on this. But this is how God's people have always done it. This is how they cross the finish line. So y'all know that, y'all might know that God's people in the Old Testament, their version of Easter Sunday, like empty tomb, was the Exodus. The Exodus. So God's people in the Old Testament, God's covenant people, were were being held hostage by Egyptians. And they needed to be rescued because God made all kinds of promises to, to his people And then uh, the Egyptians took over their lives and held them in slavery. They needed to be rescued, and God rescued them. So you see, you might know that Moses was going, leading people around. He was really afraid, and he comes upon a a lot of water, and it was an ocean. And he said, God told him, do this weird thing with your staff, and the Red Sea will part. It parts, and they walk through. And the Egyptians follow them, and God, the creator of heaven and earth, swallowed his enemies up, and he rescued his people, and he kept his word. And what did God's people do? Moses started singing. He couldn't help but sing. God has rescued us. And then this other lady who doesn't get talked about a lot, Miriam, she also sings. I'm just going to read this, okay? This is Exodus 14. This is the scene. Thus the Lord gave Israel, saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw that the Egyptians were dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so that the people feared the Lord, i.e. they believed in him. And then, here's 15.1. Then Moses, this is Moses' song. Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, singing, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider is thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. Here's Miriam. This is her scene. For when the horse of Pharaoh, who was leading, who was leading Egyptians at that time, with his chariots and the horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters on them, etc. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand. Imagine this. And all the women went out after her with tambourines and they started dancing. And Miriam led them in song. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea. This is Easter for Israel. They can't help but sing when they experience, even then, kind of empty tomb realities where God shows up in a way that only he can. They can't help but sing and celebrate God's power. So I want to ask you and invite you 
to reflect on this question, how has God shown up for you this year in this semester in ways only he could? When you have been at the end of yourself, maybe it's a sin or a habit that has been choking the life out at you of you and shame, you've been walking around with it. And the loneliness and isolation of COVID is only like fanning the flames of shame. And God has come in with encouragement, with his word, and with his people, and with fellowship that surprised. How have you been at the end of yourself this year, and how has God met you? The maker of heaven and earth has worked in your life this year with great power, and we are to sing about it, and we are to dwell in it and bask in it. We don't just celebrate God's power, we also celebrate God's presence, his presence with us. If you'll look at verse 3, the psalmist praises God and refers to Zion. We sing about this. We're going to sing about this in a little bit. We will feast in the house of Zion. Zion is everywhere in the Old Testament. It's also in the New Testament a lot. And essentially, Zion is the catch-all term for the place where God dwells with his people where they go worship. It's where God's presence is, and it's always with his people. That's Zion is the catch-all term. We praise God as we finish by celebrating how God has not been far away, but he's been present with us. We celebrate the ways in which he has walked with us in our loneliness. We celebrate how he has guided us in our confusion. We celebrate how he hasn't left us. He hasn't left us. He has not been phased by your sin and your doubt and your confusion and COVID-19. He has not left you. He actually gets closer. Just look at the cross. The darker it gets, the closer he gets. Like the disciples on the boat with Jesus, if you remember this scene, there have been parts of this year, I don't know about you, speak for myself, that it seems like God is asleep, that Jesus is like in the basement napping. And like the disciples, you look around at this hurricane situation called like COVID-19 at Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and you're like, are you, where are you? Are you going to wake up? Do you not see this? Have you felt that way? I have felt this way. And I want to say that Jesus has been anything but aloof or asleep this year. He has not been asleep. He has not been far away. He has been present because the heart of God never stops throbbing to be in the presence of his people. And he never stops having his eyes on and his love on his children because that's what a good father does. It's appropriate to talk about Friday Night Lights uh, at the end of the year. So I'm going to talk about it. Favorite show of all time. If you've watched the show, then you know that Friday Night Lights is about high school football in Dillon, Texas, but it is not at all about high school football in Dillon, Texas. It's about a lot of things, but it's actually not about football at all. And the two main characters that really drive the story is this married couple, and it's the Taylors. Coach Taylor and his wife, Tammy Taylor. Coach Taylor is the head football coach of Dillon High, and Tammy Taylor, for most of the show, most of the series, is the guidance counselor at the school, okay? So in this small community, this little parish community called Dillon, Texas, you have a hodgepodge group of people. In the town, their neighbors, the students that Tammy deals with and counseling and cares for, and then you have Coach Taylor's roster and motley crew of players. 
It's utter chaos in the show. It's so honest to the brokenness of living in a fallen world, you never know what's going to happen with this crew of people and Dylan. The one steady and like thing that never moves in the show is Eric and Tammy Taylor. They never go anywhere. They're steady, and everyone knows they're steady. No matter what, the Eric and Coach Taylor and his wife are always present. And I, I've thought about that show because um, I have felt all over the place this year. I know you have as well. When are we going to get sent home? Are we going to get sent home? When are we going to come back? Am I going to get to do interim that I signed up for whenever you signed up? For? Am I going to do, what about study abroad? What about those requirements? Utter chaos, disorientation. It has been quite a ride. And God's steady presence has been unmoving. He doesn't change. Jesus, we're told in the New Testament, is the same yesterday and today and forever. If we get another COVID-19 year, please, Lord Jesus, don't let that happen. If we do, if we do this next year, he's going to walk with us, y'all. Is he not going to walk with us? He's not going to change. And in that way, we can actually say, it's a crazy thing to say, like, come disaster, scorn, or pain, like old hymns say. We know that Jesus is going to walk with us. His presence is, going to never, is not going to change. So when we finish well, we celebrate God's power. We celebrate his persistent presence in our lives, and we got to sing. That's why we sing every Tuesday night, because we are called to praise God. Okay, you ready for the second one? Receiving God's blessing. Receiving God's blessing. So when you cross the finish line of one season, you enter into a new season. And y'all are about to enter into a new season. So you need new kinds of energy, new kinds of provision, new kinds of great. Like you're going to need more fuel for this season that you're entering. So when you finish this year, you're just going to need the same kind of blessings that you've had this year. Seniors, you're going to need more kinds of blessings that you've got for four years here. You're going to need more of it. And so our psalm actually ends with a blessing. God's people are invited to receive a blessing. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. This verse is actually what is referred to throughout church history as a benediction. A benediction. A benediction is a blessing that Christian ministers pronounce on God's people when they are gathered for corporate worship. The setting of this psalm is corporate worship. And a benediction is when a minister, maybe you've seen this, gets up and he raises his hands. And usually from words of Holy Scripture, he says and pronounces a blessing on God's people at the very end of the service. And God's people actually stand up and they have open hands extended, symbolizing, I want to receive these words and I want them to materialize in my life this week, tomorrow. That's what happens in a benediction. The congregation receives blessing from God. And that's what, according to Psalm 134, finishing well means you receive God's blessing. Why? Because you're about to enter in a new week. You're about to enter into a new season. We're not done. Like, we finished, but we're actually not done. We need more blessing. But I want to ask, actually, because blessing is one of those churchy words that we need to dust off for a second, okay? What does blessing mean? You might know that Psalm 1 opens in so many psalms and like weird Old Testament passages are like, blessed is the man who blah, blah, blah. So in Psalm 1, blessed, uh, the blessed man and woman 
is the kind of person that has all that they need. It's the kind of life that has no lack, as Eugene Peterson calls it. You have everything that you need. Just circumstantially, it's all there. You're secure, you're sturdy. You're like a tree planted by streams of water, David says in Psalm 1. But the blessing, actually the way it's described here, is actually God's ongoing bestowing of gifts on his people. It's not necessarily like a state, but referring to like being a receptive kind of person that's always open-handed. And that's like the way that you live. Little distinction there. It might not matter, but that's what he's talking about tonight. Not the Psalm 1 way of talking about blessing, but open-handed living where you're just receiving God's gifts that he's bestowing on you. Here's how one commentator says, says it. He says, blessing describes what God does to us and among us. He enters into covenant with us, promises to us. He pours out his own life for us. He shares the goodness of his spirit, the vitality of his creation, the joys of his redemption, and he empties himself among us, and we get what he has. That is blessing, okay? Open-handed living, and you're just receiving the gifts Daily bread, forgiveness, community, word, sacrament, body of Christ, gifts for you, and they never stop. They're new every morning. They never stop. So God's blessing is people in, uh, walking with them, condescending to them, stooping to their level, and that is how God walks. That's how he rolls, always giving gifts, always and so a benediction is when someone gets up and they say things like, may the Lord bless you and shower his gifts on you when you go to work tomorrow, when you start this new season. It matters. These words that someone says to you matters. And maybe you've heard the popular version in Numbers. Listen to this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Maybe you've had your arms open as someone has said those words to you. So finishing well means you receive God's blessing. You also anticipate it. And here's what I mean by anticipating it. You don't just receive the words. You actually start work the next day. You do your nine to five or you go home for the summer or you start your new season of post-grad life anticipating that those words are not empty words, that they will actually materialize in your life. That there are words of promise, words that speak of God's character and his persistent care for you. And so I want you in this new season, friends, as you're finishing, I want you to start this new season, just think of the summer right now, confident that these words of blessing, and I'm going to say words of blessing to you in a second and at the end of our service, that they will actually materialize in your life if you like have a speck of childlike trust in Jesus, they will materialize in your life. So go into this season confident in God's continued love and care. But confidence, this kind of gritty confidence in the blessings that they'll materialize. Anticipate that they'll happen. All right, so we enter a new season. We've got more work to do. We're gonna enter into the fields, and the vineyards of the Lord, we're not done. You're not done. We're going to celebrate, but we've got more to do. All right, so in the vein of a benediction, I, I would like to read one to you that I wrote for y'all. And I want to, you to receive them if you're able. You don't have to. You can just have the, 
the inward kind of emotional, spiritual posture of open hands. And I'm going to see if I can get through this. So this is for y'all. May this season of the summer, the summer months, be a season of deep communion with Jesus and with his people. May you experience Jesus to be close this summer as you work at camps, as you clock in, as you clock out, as you sleep in, as you rest before grad school begins, and as you anticipate the new season that is ahead. May you enter the fall semester at Wofford College, if you're coming back, confident in God's steady care for you, along with his limitless mercy. And y'all, y'all coming back, we can't wait to walk with you next year. Can't wait. To seniors, may the Lord bless you this Sunday as you graduate. May he give you gratitude for your time here. May you remember the ways in which he's walked with you, the ways he has held you, the ways he has kept you close, the ways he has stretched you and guided you. May the Lord bless you as you begin new jobs. May he bless the work of your hands. May the Lord bless you by giving you new friendships, friends by whom you can be truly loved. May the Lord bless you in giving you a church home. May the Lord feed you with his gospel and sermons and songs, bread and wine. May the Lord bless you in seasons of suffering. May you find consolation in the tears of Christ and hope in the empty tomb of Christ. May you experience the joy of following Jesus in the way of the cross by serving Christ's body in the church, by washing dirty feet, by welcoming outcasts to your table, just as Jesus has welcomed you. May you share the good news of Jesus with your words and with your life. May you experience the joy of marriage and the gift of parenthood. Friends, finishing well means you receive God's blessing. And you actually anticipate that these words that I just said to you, filled with biblical truth, are going to materialize for you. Then they will. They will materialize. Two things uh, of application and seniors, I am just going to talk to you for probably like three minutes, okay? And I, I say this every year. So this is, uh, <clears throat> this senior class, I came in with y'all, and uh, my first year was your freshman year. So your freshman year was my freshman year. I say that a lot. I still feel like a rookie. I don't know what I'm doing in this job, but uh, we were rookies together at Wofford College. So we've been through a lot together. I want to say two things. I feel like y'all are kind of spread out. This is going to be hard, Okay. First thing I want to say is this. I've said this so many times. How many times have I told you in four years to abide in Jesus? Abide in Jesus. We don't say that word anymore, so I'll say the translation we always say from Peterson. Make Jesus your home. Jesus is saying in John 15, make your home with me. I'm home to you. I'm home base. I'm your identity. Only Jesus can make you rest. Only Jesus can forgive you. Only Jesus can give your restless heart what it needs. Only Jesus. And if you're like on the fence with Jesus, abide with Jesus. Try making Jesus your home for like two months and and report back to me. I would love that. I would love that. He is enough and he'll satisfy you. So abide in Jesus. The second thing I want to say is go to church. 
And here I want to say, I, I, I don't want to assume everyone in here is necessarily on the same page. Every senior, senior in here, we might be all over the map spiritually, okay? So I want to name that. But I do want to say this like little church section, I want to talk to Christians for a second, okay? The first thing that I want y'all to do when you go move into your apartments and you unpack your bags, before you do anything else, before you even like move the, I want you to Google local churches in your town and I want you to pick one and I want you to go that first Sunday and do, do not stop going. Do not stop going. You are a member of the body of Christ. If you don't go to church, you are fundamentally saying, I'm cutting myself, I'm severing myself from Christ's body. And I functionally am saying, I can grow on my own. And friends, you cannot grow on your own. RUF does not endure. We are not the church. You are not taking RUF with you. You're not. And that makes me sad to say, you're not. But you have local church pastors, like me, that want to serve you communion and meet with you and cry with you and preach God's word to you and make Jesus beautiful to you. Go to church. Make yourself a member of Christ's body. And here's the thing. That's like in the vein of like, you need the church. The church needs you. The church needs you. New parents need you to hold their babies and babysit. They do. We do. Trust me, as y'all know. Old men who are empty nesters in the church who really miss their children who are married or they're in college want to eat breakfast with you at their favorite diner. And you need to go eat with him. Sunday school ladies in the church who are teaching Sunday school classes, when they ask you to get coffee, you need to say yes. You need to say yes. And it's not just because they need you. You need them. You need their voice. Okay, so abide in Jesus and go to church. It's Christ's body. We won't grow without it. We actually can't survive. You know, this is autobiographical, and I'm going to land the plane with this. I had a wonderful experience in RUF, and my experience in RUF, because I became a Christian in college, and my life was flipped upside down in college, informed why I wanted to do this with y'all. But I'll say um, I've had a quirky and fruitful experience in the local church as well. I don't actually... I wouldn't be here with y'all if it wasn't for the local church, specifically our church in St. Louis, and the way that we experienced the love of the body of Christ. Abide in Jesus and go to church. So we're done. Y'all are done. And I do want to say um, to to the seniors, and I'm going to see y'all, but we won't be at large group again. Uh, We just won't. And so sad. It has been so fun to be with y'all for four years. I have been, I just want to say, I've been through, my brother died during these four years, and you've walked with me. I could make this all about me. It's all about me and RUF. I'm just kidding. Um, But I could. I could go through, like, all that we have been through in our lives, um, and, like, a lot of life has happened to us in four years, and y'all know about that. And you've been little sisters and little brothers to me and Ivy, And it's been such a gift, and we have been profoundly changed by your presence in our living room and in our kitchen and at the Millen Theater and at Acorn Cafe and at Burwell. 
All right, let me pray.